0: Praise God. Let those testimonies keep flowing in. The power of the Lord is so good. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible to the book of First John chapter 1. And what we have being distributed to you today is a collection of uh, instances where the word koinonia is used in the New Testament. And this is it. I didn't leave any of them out. So we, I felt that the Spirit was saying that even though we understand what this word means, and I'm going to reiterate that here just in a moment, um, as we look at the New Testament, this should be our identity, what we commonly share with each other. And I believe that in this season particularly, a great number of these facets of walking with God in his fellowship are not only under attack, but they have been being abandoned. And so I went to the extreme of listing this outline in this way as opposed to posting all the scriptures and filling up three or four pages, just so you could have a primer, as it were, to say, this is what I need to be doing. And we're going to culminate this by coming to this table of commune, uh, this table of koinonia. um, And um, we recognize that what this means for us is indicated by the, the fuller understanding of the the great author of the scriptures through what we're going to look at here today. So koinonia is a word that is bandied about in a lot of churches. I, I remember when we first started um, to walk as saints, there was uh, there were some folks who said that we were not engaging in fellowship anymore, and they made the word koinonia almost a rallying cry of disputing what God was doing among us. Many of you remember that. And I, my retort, and it was a retort, not a response, was that we're enjoying deeper relationships with one another right now than we ever have, and I've been here but 17 years when this thing started. And I know that the deepest measure of walking in fellowship together is not just be, by being card-carrying members of a church or a denomination, but by actually walking together in the paths of the Lord. And anybody who was not in that fellowship um, was, were really basically rejecting what God was trying to do among us. So when I talk about koinonia and I look what it actually means, it doesn't just mean to everybody, let's meet, uh, let's meet for lunch every day this week, and on Saturday night, let's get together and play cards. That's not what koinonia means. Uh, we have understandings of this Greek word in our modern languages. We get our word "coin" from this. We get the word koine, which is the language of a specific area or people. And there are other derivatives that speak about the mindset of certain regions or certain nations. You can really tell this when you travel internationally. See, we in America who, our idea of a, of a, of a journey is driving up to uh, Oklahoma for a weekend. Um, and so we think everybody thinks like us. And we think that uh, all these nations are basically formed in the same way, and they're not. I mean, I can, I can think of one particular nation in Europe that when we go there, the people are lovely, they, they love the Lord, but it's almost like speaking Pig Latin backwards to a blank wall to try to talk about a number of different things because their koine, their mindset, has been honed basically out of that histemi but, but but by their shared heritages for the generations and it's who they are in order to become a saint, they gotta lay down a lot of that stuff and a lot of them have problems with that, just as Americans do. And and I could talk point by point in many different illustrations of going into foreign nations where you find this immediately. Now some places not so much. It's funny how that is. I don't know whether that's because those dear ones have been ingrained by American TV and movies, or uh, I I don't know. And maybe somehow that has leveled the field in our communication. But the issue is that the Koine, when you talk about a Koine, you're not just talking about everybody getting together and having a good time. You know, we're going to have a potluck supper and all, we're just going to come and fellowship, just like the old days. You know, we're going to have a meeting on the ground, dinner on the ground. We're just gonna have fun, just like church used to be and should be. That's not what koine means. Yes, there is social interaction. Yes, there is uh, going to be times where, there are going to be times where people spend uh, fellowshipping in, in in the way the English word is often used. But that's not really what koine is. Coin A is what you believe. Coin A is what you've become. Coin A is those are those standards that you hold true. Coin A is how you interact, how you market yourself, and what you are willing to accept back in return. And you know the coin A of the land from currency. Uh, you, I remember when we were driving into Switzerland one time, and we came to. Um, we came to the border patrol, and they were flagging the different cars, which license plates you had, and if you did not have a Swiss license plate, they had special lines for you, and they had people not bearing submachine guns or um, or Walter PPKs. They had those little coin things on their belt, like the like the old uh, bus driver and the streetcar guy. And you had to pay them in Swiss francs, and if you didn't have them, you had to you had to get exchange of euros or whatever else you had, and then pay them in Swiss because they wanted that in their currency at that border stop. I don't know whether it was discouraged people from coming in who hadn't prepared to come into the holy land of Switzerland, but it was a funny thing to watch. They treasure their coinage, and. Um, I, I know that all of those extrapolations that I just talked about came from this word, this Greek word, because who can deny, coin comes from koinonia, uh, to be the common denominator, the main ingredient of an identity or shared goal. So when this word is used throughout the New Testament, it's not advocating that people just sit down and kick off their shoes, and just sit there and spend time together. Even though that's nice, I'm not disparaging that. Well, maybe the kicking off the shoes part, because I've, I've been around some people, I prefer they keep their shoes on. But, you know, the, the Beverly Hillbillies, take shoes off. Y'all come back now here. Um, so let's read First John 1, verses 1 through 7. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we've seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that you may also have fellowship with us. That's the first thing. John the beloved wasn't messing around. He didn't entertain spiritual fools. He was going to give people what he had seen, what he had heard, what he'd received from God, and that was the fellowship. Look at it. That which we have seen and heard declare we under you that we may also have fellowship you may also have fellowship with us. That's what we look for. Jesus taught about this. When you come into a city, you go where the Spirit leads you to go. If you enter the house, if they receive what you're giving, great. If they don't, you leave. You shake the dust off your feet as a witness against them. That sounds evil, but it's Jesus saying it, right? And he says, if peace abides there, you abide there. And don't be switching houses. If you find a place that is accepting the gospel, you go there. This is John. Who could despise this one? I've seen the painting. Uh, In in person, he has his head on Jesus' breast. He's talking to the Lord, the the disciple that loved the Lord. Here he is coming right down and say, you know what? God has given us all of this insight. We are seeing it. We're tasting it. You want a fellowship with me? Here's the ground rules. You want a koiné? Well, here's my koiné. And I bless you if you don't, but this is is how I enter into my measure of commune before God with you. And he says, Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now hear what's being said here. This was a man who loved Jesus. This was a man who on the Isle of Patmos Jesus, the risen Lord, with fire in his eyes, came and appeared to him and met with him. John knew Jesus. John loved Jesus. And we all should. There's no way to the Father but by him. Unequivocally, that is a statement. But how does John begin this? He first says, I've experienced a lot of things in the spirit realm. You want to read The Gospel of John, you get a a fuller dose of this same methodology. Anybody who wants to coin A with me, this is the ground rule. And I am in fellowship. Notice he doesn't say with Jesus first, because he'd been taught by Jesus, I've come to redeem you to the Father. You're going to know the Father. You're going to walk with the Father. seems I read that in a book that has John's name on it. And if you have one of those fancy Bibles that has all the words of Jesus in red, you'll find that he's saying that over and over and over again. John begins by saying, my fellowship is with the Father. I am learning of the Father. I am fellowshipping with the Father. He is becoming my absolute mentor in all things. This is how I deal with things. This is how I market myself. This is how I receive people. This is my identity, it's with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and we, fellowship, there's koinonia, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have koinonia, one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's a whole peck of koinonia's. Boom, 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 boom. Why is John using that word? Is it because his, uh, his Thorus was broken in his, in his mac? Or do you think he was trying to say, if you're going to fellowship in a koinonia, this is the basis. There's no dilly-dallying. There's no, com- there's no compromise. This is what we must have. I believe that, as was said by Mark and by Les this morning, that our nation and our world is really being positioned for a battle about this principle. There is so much darkness that is trying to permeate the koinonia of the church, the true koinonia of the church. There's so much darkness that is trying to occlude and deceive people, and and it's done... In the name of light. And you know, there's many other scriptures that talk about darkness and light. If our light be darkness, how great is that darkness? There are those who call light darkness and darkness light. And it is going on and on in a bigger and and more uh, disastrous way as seems like the weeks go by. You want to see light and darkness in, in real time? Just wait till this Supreme Court nominee is being grilled by the Senate. And the issue is going to be, even though she's Catholic, her belief in Jesus Christ. You watch. If you want a, you want a pre, pretext of that, watch what happened when she was being approved not long ago. For the, the the Federal Circuit Court that she's been serving in, when Diane Feinstein, that woman that looks like she's just making muffins for you and she's just the grandma that everybody likes, was just nailing her over and over again about her belief in God. And she finally ended by saying, Well, the dogma in you is going to emerge. I'm paraphrasing that, but dogma was the big thing. And in the same point, there are federal regulations that have been for hundreds of years that say, you're not allowed to do that. Nobody's religion should be able to keep them from serving in any part of governmental office. It is, it is, it is part of our rights. But you watch. The things that you and I hold dear are going to be grilled by people who think that they're representing the American way and who think that they're doing what is right for the people. Uh, it was not many months ago that we met down at the courtroom where Roe versus Wade gained its impetus. You remember that? And what's happened since then? What's happened since then? God is moving on behalf of our country But there's a whole peck of people who don't like it and who will tell you you're going to hell and and they're trying to usher you there uh, because you believe that way. You know, I remember the story of my life uh, being told to me. Of course, at the time, I didn't know anything about it. When at a little over six months in my mother's womb, the doctors came and said, you're either going to have to have this baby removed or... One of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to die or uh, this baby is going to emerge uh, deformed. And my mother was just a simple country woman. Having the idea of aborting a child was not on her radar at all. And the doctor gave her till the next day to, to um, determine what she wanted to do. And she told him immediately, no, I'm not doing that. And that night she said that the room lit up and an angel was standing at the top of the ceiling and gave her assurance that she was going to be fine and that I was going to be fine and that I had a purpose in God. And she told the doctor the next day that she was going to trust the Lord and um, she was going to carry me until all... 10 pound 2 ounces came out and um, the jury's out as to whether I'm deformed or not but had my mother had my mother gone the, the route that women's rights would say she should have taken I wouldn't be here my children wouldn't be here I have no idea where Debbie would be She'd be here, but somewhere else. The grandchildren wouldn't be here. Fabian would be, I don't know what you'd be doing either. I don't know what God would be doing with you. Now, God has a calling on your life. But to me, it's, it's insane the things that are being said that are just darkness, even the infanticide that a couple of our eastern states has tried to make law that up until the baby is nine months old and even after the child is born, life can be taken away from that child because it's the woman's right. Now, I'm not going to go full bore an abortion sermon here. That's just one issue. There are so many things that our enemy, if you don't recognize what the enemy is doing in this one nation under God, he is positioning for the end time to where Christians will be mollified for their faith. And the things that we read about in the Scripture that we never thought could happen here, open your eyes. It's happening now. And so, We cannot have our fellowship mingled with darkness. Our identity cannot go along to get along. Our identity is priceless before God because it is with the Father and through his Son, Jesus Christ. We must stand for this or we'll fall for anything. We must stand for what God has called us to be or... The the darkness that's upon the land and the gross darkness upon the people will prohibit us from being the light that God said we will be when that happens. So we've got to recognize that not only in this passage, but in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Paul chimes in on it. We cannot allow darkness, no matter how many ways it says it's light, to come into our identity. There are so many sneaky ways that the enemy's trying to permeate the church trying to pervert the light. People who ought to know better have begun to cut themselves off from the pneumaticos meet and to accept other doctrines, many of them doctrines of devils. And whether it's it's a spiritual revelation or, 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 or what? It's classified as it is leading them away from what God has said to be. And we cannot have fellowship koinonia with darkness. It cannot. It's a counterfeit of our currency. It is, it's more than a counterfeit. It's a detriment to what we are. And so this is happening in America and it's happening in the nations of the world. And our solution is to become more like God wants us to be and to allow that koinonia to be formed in us as, as the days go by. So John says this, and I'm so glad he says our fellowship is with the Father. And he says that that just ministered to me early this morning in such a wonderful way. And I want to tell you, those of you who think that that is in some way discrediting Jesus, first of all, remember that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. So they're not three siblings that are bickering with one another, seeing who gets the biggest piece of pie. Um, the, The thing that delights Jesus, I believe, as much or more than anything, is that when we accept him, we do what he said over and over again and come into that relationship with him as the Father that we should be as sons. And so I love the, the fact that John says this because if there was anybody who loved Jesus and was committed to Jesus, whether it's Peter or Paul or whoever it might be, or even Mary, uh, that was a group, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, to know the Father. John says that is the preeminent fellowship. Now, how else is this word used? I, I just listed these. I suppose we could put it in some kind of a declaration. But 1 Corinthians one nine says that we are called into this koinonia by accepting Jesus. Now, if I was just putting this in a... Uh, In a linear form, this would have been number one. But I really felt that we needed to launch out with what John wrote. Um, So we accept the Lord Jesus. We enter into this koine. Philippians 1, 5. We koinonia according to the good news of the gospel. And the gospel is that euangelion, which is, yes, of salvation, but the euangelion does not stop there because it is the good purpose of God as announced by the angelic or by messengers. And it doesn't just mean angels. God is a messenger. His word is a messenger. His spirit is a messenger guiding us into truth. And so, yes, we begin with the gospel of salvation, but we are to continue on in the euangelion, which is where Evangelist is that that term is formed from this same word, so we are uh, we are fellowshipping koinonia according to the good news of the gospel. Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen and and uh, Philippians two one, we koinonia with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. We didn't want to leave that third dimension of the Trinity out. Uh, it's, uh, it's a privilege to walk with the Holy Ghost. It's a privilege to fellowship with the Spirit of God. And this, how do we do this? Well, we, we pray in the Spirit for one thing. We listen to what the Spirit is saying. We allow the energea of this Spirit of God to lead us and to mobilize us. And this koinonia of the Spirit is really our partnership with God. What the Father says, what Jesus is laboring alongside us to do and praying for us to do, it is the Spirit that quickens and gives life. It's not by might or by power, but by His Spirit. And we, we, in all the dimensions of how the Spirit is said to commune with the people, that forms this koinonia with Him. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. You know, one of the ways darkness is trying to permeate the light of the church is there is a wide swath of folks who say that the Holy Spirit is feminine, because they find a couple of instances where there are derivative usages, and if you just look at the context, you can see why it says that, because it is the nurturing capacity of the Holy Spirit. But they formed a doctrine about it, and then they extrapolate off of that to say that since the Holy Spirit is feminine, that that means then that you're genderless. We can just do whatever we want to do. We can be straight, we can be gay, we can be this, we can be that. And if you've never read any of this stuff, and I pray you don't, it's all over the place. And it's one of the hottest, neatest, most mystical revelations you can receive. But it's also diabolically wicked and deceptive. I remember when we studied this when I was in seminary, and we were looking at that at that point. You know, I was just a kid. And I, I remember the discussion, but I remember the professor nailing this thing. Okay, now you see this, and it does not mean that what, what the nuance of it means, because the plethora of times where the Holy Spirit is either neutral or masculine determines the factor. God is not confused. It went through it in true assembly, God fashioned It just went down the line and said it. And I, I listen to that, and I'm astounded to see how bit by bit, meticulously, the darkness is trying to penetrate and, and devolve, deconstruct, dare I say, the light which we have to walk in as koinonia people. So we, we must recognize that this is part of the koinonia. Ephesians 3.9 nine we koinonia ongoingly with the mysterion. Hmm, that's kind of interesting, since we know that when we pray in the Spirit, we speak mysterion. We know that that represents God continuing to lead us according to His mystery. It's an evolving, ongoing pathway of revelatory faith. And that should form part of our koinonia, If you think that God's, because you carry this Bible, that there's no new revelation out of the Scripture that God is giving, well, I don't know how you can justify to the Lord that you're walking in a a koinonia with Mysterion. I really don't know how you can do that. Because there's always a new thing God's saying. He's not discrediting or doing away with the old. He's just the Word of God is alive. And so part of our fellowship, part of our koinonia, is walking with and in the mysterion of God. And that comes from communing with Him, listening to Him, letting the Word of God come alive and speak to us and lead us and, and, and to define new things. But it's there nonetheless. Now, I love these next four passages because it highlights the saints. Do you realize that just by looking at this, and this is it, this is the sum total of koinonia, that (laughs) four times, four times more than any other thing, the work of the saints is mentioned. Our fellowship, our koinonia, is to support and encourage the work of the saints specifically. Amazing, isn't it? I could go off on that. Pastor Fabian spoke about the saints during seminar. and It still astounds me that, um, that this sterling understanding has been hidden from the church. Um, to me, it's kind of like saying, when if you were reading a modern-day scripture, and it says, to all of you in the Navy... And to you seals, grace and peace. And people would say, Oh, well, SEALs must just be equal to being in the Navy. Well, they are in the Navy, but they're not they're not midshipmen. (laughs) They are a special group. And when you find a dozen times or more where that delineation is made in the Scripture. Um, It's amazing to me that people just kind of put it all in the pot, mix it in their Vitamax, and they say, oh, it's all the same. No, it's not. And Paul is saying to churches, look, your koinonia involves you supporting and encouraging the work of the saints. So for the Saints Network, I'm glad to see that. God doubled down on that instruction. Galatians 2:9. The fellowship is what becomes our calling card and measure of acceptance. This is Paul talking about when Peter, James, and John—I don't know whether they're in the sailboat or not—they extended the right hand of fellowship. Is exactly what he said. The right hand of koinonia. And again, this Kenneth Hagin—if he was still alive—I'd have to pay him royalties today, friend. But he said, he said, you know, they gave me the They didn't give me the right hand of fellowship. They gave me the left foot of fellowship. (laughs) I always laugh at that. I thought that was so funny. But, you know, Peter and James and John, they they saw Paul. They recognized that, hey, this guy is doing the work of our Lord. We are in in lockstep together. and, And he specifically says, the right hand of koinonia. And that really is the calling card for us you know, I don't mean to be judgmental. That's not what I mean, or critical. But look, we've got a message to give. When we go places, we invest our time. We invest a lot of money. We invest a lot of energy. And I'm not there just to play games and eat croissants and sip on too strong coffee. I can, I try to tell right away by the directive of the spirit, who is going to who has got a hunger for this? That's who I'm going to sow into. That, that's who I'm going to sow into because that's why we're there. I'm not there just to have a meeting. I'm not there just to have a crowd and have people say, oh, look, the people from the Saints Network are here. Wow, this is great. Let's get on board because there's too much of that. There's always some some three-ring that's coming from the United States or Canada and goes through there, and they all marshal. I want to know those pearls of great price who are hungry. And to me, this is the fellowship. This is the koinonia. And Paul had it going on. I mean, he had credentials. He, he was sharp as a tack, but none of that impressed the, the big three of the disciples. Are you walking in the koinonia we're walking in? If you are, we extend the right hand. We are going to prophetically walk with you. That's that's what we need. That's what Paul mentioned. Philippians 3.10. Knowing him and the power of his resurrection and the koinonia of his suffering. What a thing to say, the koinonia of his suffering. It was going pretty well up to this point. But now we mix a pinch of suffering into this business. How can that be, Tammy? It's just, I think we we need to compare our scriptures and see if my Bible says what your Bible says. Well, I think we'll find that it does. And there are times where we face scenarios, I'm not preaching a gospel of suffering, but you would think that if you're knowing him and you're in the power of the resurrection, the suffering would right out the door. Wouldn't you think? I mean, how can he say with an open face that in this verse, knowing him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of suffering, how can he say that? I mean, after all, if you know him and you're moving in Holy Ghost power, raising the dead, what's this business of suffering? And it's a fellowship of suffering by all means, which means that we all have to go through that. I remember that passage that Peter spoke when we were talking about a little space of grace where he says, the God of all grace, after you have suffered a little while, bring you into that full, full, fourfold measure of being established and prosperous. I don't like suffering. I don't like it. I don't want it. I, I, I have no... Ain't nobody got time for it. But I do know that times where I am just inside, little Ronnie is belly aching in that still small voice of, of wherever it is I speak as little Ronnie, that I, and I know that I finally have to bucket up and say, Father, what are you doing through this? How is this an opportunity to overcome? What is, how has is the enemy come in this one way? What is the flea in seven that I need to be looking to for the joy set before me? just as my Lord and Savior Jesus did, that koinonia of suffering is something that we don't make as a mandate or a badge of honor. It's, it's a testament of overcoming. And so there are things we face for the purpose of overcoming. You cannot overcome unless you've got something to overcome. can't have a miracle unless you've got some impossibility. It just don't work that way. Uh, you, 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 You just go down the line. And so this is part of our common fellowship. And it's not that it just lingers on and on and on. I've known some people who suffer for Jesus for 50 years. Oh, I'm just in testimony meetings. I'm just suffering for Jesus. I've been hearing that as a little kid. I've been hearing that ever since I was as tall as that pew. It's time that you start overcoming and stop suffering for Jesus. At some point, you've got to have a breakthrough. And I don't mean to be mean, but even as a little boy, I knew that. Some of you as kids, you see things very clearly in the churches you grew up in, and you knew things that some of the adults didn't. And I remember testimony services were always so funny. We don't do those anymore, really. We, we have the offering testimony, which was great. That was powerful today. Some of the things people would say when they'd stand up, Oh, dear God. Oh, I remember talking to some of my friends in Bible college and some of the funniest things they heard during testimony services, and we laughed just the things people would say. I can't repeat them here on a Sunday morning before such an august crowd as this. But, oh, bless God, the devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. (laughs) That's one of them just cracked me up. And, uh, but I won't say any more. Some of them are just really funny. But God brings us to points where we have to face circumstances that are not pleasant for the purposes of overcoming. And that's all I'm going to say. But that's the fellowship of his suffering. And for any of you who say, I don't want to abide for that, we have the power, we can overcome it. Well, you figure that verse out then. You figure it out. 1 Corinthians ten sixteen, The fellowship of the cup which is our mission, the blood, which is our empowerment and our identity, and the bread, which is our communion, at the table of Eucharistia, the table of the good grace of God. That's what we're going to be celebrating here in just a moment. But that koinonia of the cup, the blood, and the bread, you cannot separate them from these other things that the Spirit of God has defined that word as. So when we come together before the Lord and we're in koinonia according to the good grace of God, all of these factors should be resonating here. And they are. Because if they're not, then you are shortchanging what God wants to do in you and through you at this table. I love Acts 2.42, the early church the church must continue in doctrine not just any doctrine because there's doctrines of devils out there the bible says i'm sure they got light shining on them in the bookstores in koinonia in breaking of bread and i most commentators and i agree with them uh, you know it could be commu- it could be this table of communion or it it could really mean that you are um, you are enjoined together with each other, and I talked not long ago about how in some cultures that partaking of bread together is a covenant. It it, it they would seal an agreement in some cultures. Uh, you know we don't have a signed contract here in Texas; a handshake agreement. You actually exchanged bread and ate it. And so whether this means that you are displaying a a bond of fidelity with one another or whether it includes the bread, I don't think it would have, um, um, uh, well, you know what I'm saying, and prosuke. Those four things is what the early church did. I mean, I remember we used to... We used to hear and learn this in Bible college that the four things, worship, discipleship, fellowship, and evangelism, WDFE, you get that acronym so that you didn't screw it up on the test. But we look at this and we say, man, you need to be praying in grace. You need to be hearing from God. You need to be fellowshipping with God in communion. You need to be embracing this koinonia, and you need to be knowing the doctrines of God. That's what the early church did. That's what we must do. And Hebrews 13, 16 says, you make sure that you don't forsake that koinonia. You just keep pursuing it. So all of these things we've looked at, and this is the total of what's in Scripture in the New Testament. When we come before this table, which is precious to us, we say, Lord, I am here for the koinonia of the cup which is your mission for us. It's what the cup represents. We've studied that ad infinitum over the years. Many of you have taught on it. I know I've written about it. And the cup speaks about our, our mission from the Father. But the koinonia of the blood and of the bread, God is speaking into us in each of these ways and more according to his divine edict i don't know which part of this you might say really touched you by the spirit some of these issues that we talked about from the scripture leaped up in my spirit and i'm i believe that god wants to minister to me and in me concerning my walk with him in that regard and But you think about this, the relationship with the Father, the relationship with the Son, the holding on to the light and not letting darkness come in, holding on to the blood of Jesus, holding on to what we have known in the saving power of Jesus, holding on to that ongoing revelation of the good news of the Lord, holding on to our our walking with the Spirit and being guided and led by Him and listening to Him holding on to the mysterion of God, holding on to the work of the saints and supporting it in every way we can, holding on to those that are walking as brothers and sisters in lockstep with what God has given us to do. And it is a calling from God. Many are called, few choose it. Holding on to that measure of no matter what we're going through, God is with us and we will know and do know his power, and his love, and his commune. Holding on to the fellowship of the cup, the blood, and the bread, and holding on to our walk, and not abandoning it, while we also embrace his doctrines, and and that measure of true commune, and prosuche understandings in conjunction with grace. This is koinonia. It's not... I'm going to have to get new illustrations because a lot of these restaurants are closed. I was going to say going to Luby's at noon. I think they're closed. Sad. It's not just setting up the card table and having fun together every Saturday night. Those are good things, I think. But this is koinonia, and it pretty much encompasses... I can't think of anything in our walk with God that it doesn't encompass. So as we come before the table today, I believe that God is going to want to impart to you uh, some things that you're really needing in these unique times that God has let us live in. I... uh, (laughs) Every every now and then as I'm praying and I I study something uh, that's going on in our country. I don't ever remember saying this before, and I lived through the 60s. I think, what country am I living in? What nonsense is being embraced? The Bible says those who call light darkness and darkness light. What a disaster that is. I'm so thankful for the prayer gathering that Les referenced yesterday. I remember hearing from it firsthand by Franklin Graham making an appeal for people to come. God's people calling upon him. We bless this country, but let us not confuse ourselves by what Events are going on all around us. We've got to galvanize ourselves in our walk with the Lord because there are millions and millions and millions of activist people across this nation who don't want to have anything to do with religion, with God, and they don't want to have anything to do with those who do. I'm not cursing them. I'm just saying our solution is to pray, to serve our Father, and to know what we believe and be able to be persuaded that He is able to keep us against that day. All of these things are the koinonia that the New Testament speaks about, and we must embrace them. Heavenly Father, I speak blessing over our large and extended and growing family of saints around the world. I speak blessing over this precious flock of people that you've allowed me to walk with here in this house, and I ask you, Father, that we would embody what you are are saying to us in your Scripture, and as we come before this table today, whether in this house or in so many other places around the world, we ask that your Spirit would abide upon us And within us. And we ask that our cup, we ask that our mutual measures of assignment and commune with the Father and the empowerment of your blood would resonate deeply within us and shake us to the very core of who we are to make sure that what is of you will stand and what isn't will go away. We want you. And we also say finally before we come to this table, we join with the prayers of our president, whether they were scripted by somebody else or not, he prayed them, uh, that, that you would visit this land, that you would bring righteousness here, and that you would cause us as a nation to welcome and receive a visitation from God in these days. We need you, Father. Let the great end time revival begin. And let us be ready for it. We love you. We come before your table now, thankfully, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, to all of you who are joining with us on live stream, thank you for tuning in. And um, we pray that if you're able to partake of communion, it will be a blessed time right now. For all of us in this house, let's come and receive and let's Let's enjoy our our Lord. Uh, You can stay as long as you want, but um, when God says it's time, may you go in his peace and in his victory. So, praise God. Let's come and let's partake together.